the Women Can Podcast. I'm Morgan, your host, and I'm so excited to be back in the studios today. I am joined with Rita Gupta of Circled In. Welcome, Ritu. I almost said Rita. Welcome, Ritu. <laughs> thank you very much. Ritu, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we connected um, a couple of months ago, and we had an interview scheduled, um, but we had to cancel it due to... Um, circumstances beyond our control. So I'm so excited that we're finally meeting in person and we're able to talk about your business. Your Absolutely. Project. Um, first off, uh, where do you call home? Redmond, Washington. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> Redmond, Washington. Okay. And how long have you, you lived there? Uh, 20 some years. Yeah. Originally, of course, I'm from India, mm -hmm. as you can tell. Mm -hmm. Moved here um, to Redmond area in 1999. Good year. Yeah. Good year. Um, what's your educational background? So I finished my engineering degree and master's in India. Mm -hmm. And then I started working in software industry. And through that, I ended up coming to Maryland, East Coast. And then I was recruited by AT&T Wireless. And um, so did that. And in back in 2008, went and did my MBA. So... I say I'm a perfect mix of business and engineering experience. Wonderful. Okay. So um, before you started um, your company, which we're going to talk about in a, in a moment, what were you doing? So I spent actually almost 20 years in corporate America. I'm dating myself here. Uh, no, you're not. From small company to Fortune 50 companies. Like I said, I started in U.S. with AT&T Wireless. Then I moved over to Honeywell Aerospace. Um, was there for almost 10 years and then started Circled In. Okay. So Circled In is your company, your business. You founded it. You're the CEO. Correct. Um, what What is Circled In? So Circled In is like LinkedIn for high school students and colleges, only better. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's made for students. It's secure. Things that students do, both inside and outside school, they can compile on this platform in a very secure manner. They upload all their media files, their videos, their transcripts, their awards, certificates, all of that, mm -hmm. and showcase themselves in the best possible way for all applications. And colleges are coming and using CircleDean to find the best fit students for their institution. So it's an online portfolio for all of your accreditations that you um, acquire throughout high school. That's correct. And also like sports, it may not be a accreditation like, oh, I play soccer for mm -hmm. Redmond High School or I've been playing piano um, at uh, Seattle Symphony or whatever that is. All extracurricular activities you can compile at one place because nowadays it's all about holistic review, not just um, the hard skills, but who you are, what your soft skills are, and all those are making a difference in your selection, whether it's for college, whether it's for job, whether it's for internship, all of that. A holistic view. Correct. So I, I, it seems to me that that's something that we've shifted to. It wasn't always that way. That is correct, actually. Um, so the movement started a while ago. When I started Circled In, almost 800 colleges had moved away from SAT-ACT as the primary criteria for selection. Mm -hmm. um, over the years, it was chucking along a little bit. And then last year, this Varsity Blues happened, which was the admission scandal, if you heard of that, mm. and uh, where celebrities uh, bribed oh, officials yes. to, you know, up the SAT score or ACT score of their kids and get them in Ivy League colleges, good colleges. So that was really a big blow to 
the whole SAT ACT mm-hmm. and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So I believe that COVID was the last nail in the coffin. In fact, actually, we wrote an article uh, about that, about history of SAT ACT. So all that is now moving away and it's all movement is towards the holistic review of candidates. Interesting. Um that's that's super cool. Um, how did you how did Circled In even start? Where did you get the idea from? Oh, uh, this was my personal pain point. So I have two kids. Please expand on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Two kids. And uh one time my older daughter decided to apply to a very selective school. And um it took us three weeks to put her application together. And even then we were for, not sure. For one school? For one school. Oh my gosh. And even then we were not sure if it will click with admission officers because in the end, we all are humans if you think about it. Um, And most of the uh, decision makers, they spend, as they say, in employment, 11 seconds on your application. So we said it has to resonate with the decision maker. So we sent writing samples. Here's the science fair project. She got accepted, but we lost access to that platform and next application start all over again. This was 2014. I thought there has to be a way. You and I have LinkedIn. There must be something for kids. More efficient way. More efficient way where you, over time, you can compile and then you can share in a very secure manner. Now, of course, LinkedIn is for adults. Everything is out in the open. Totally fine. But for kids, it's a very different dynamics when it comes to privacy and security. To my surprise, I did not find anything. And I was like, wow, we are putting people in space but there's no such thing like LinkedIn <laughs> for kids. Um, didn't find one, so decided to make one. Wow. Okay. So how did that process get started? Did you build it yourself or did you find someone to build it for you? How many days do we have to talk about that? We have 30 minutes. <laughs> Let's right. condense it. Um, yeah, so that... It it's a journey in itself. We are still building it to some extent. But of course, the very first thing that came to my mind was uh, I didn't want to just go build a product that me as I thought, oh, is it just me, Asian mom, focused on education, thinking about this stuff, or is there real pain in the market? So first thing I did was I interviewed 100 high school parents. And I said, am I just the only mom or do you think this is something that's needed? And we got resounding yes. In fact, people were like, when can I have it? I was like, oh, it's just a thought in my head right now. Um, So when we got that very resounding yes, we decided, okay, this is time. We need to do that. We literally took from Thanksgiving to the new year and we got down literally every day just coding, coding, coding. And we came out with our first beta in May 2015. What did the the beta um entail? What was, what did it comprise of? So beta was basic functionality where there were six different categories where students could upload their stuff and write, um, I play soccer, I play piano. I did this summer camp. Here's my 10th grade. Here's my 11th grade. Of course, there were probably many bugs at that time and it was not ready for prime time. We only gave it to those hundred people initially and we, worked on on it during summer and enhanced it and made it more polished. And then next September, when the new school year started, that is when we launched it. Awesome. And what was the, um, the, the hundred families that received it, what was their, 
was their impression positive? Yes. So the thing is, um, I strongly believe in very candid feedback. I give candid and I expect candid. So what we did was I just put the website in front of them and I sat back and I watched them use the platform. Mm-hmm. Are they struggling? Are they wondering where the button is? Because the UX UI or user interface is one of our core differentiation. It has to be usable. It has to be easier than Instagram. Right. It has to be better looking than Facebook. Uh, it cannot be every other tool that kids are used to using in the classroom. Mm. So with that notion, we collected a lot of feedback. UX UI is still one of our top priority. And we wanted to make sure that our users, whether it's students or parents or teachers, it's absolute easy. In fact, one example I'll give you, um, I come from aerospace industry. So I brought the requirements from aerospace industry into education, into Circle Din. How so? So I used to work with Boeing, Airbus, all these big companies, manufacturers. So one of the requirements was that in a cockpit, you are not, anything pilot has to do, it should take three or less clicks or strokes, keystrokes, because it's a high stress environment. You don't want them to, if they have to send a message, fumble through like a million different things. So I brought that requirement into Circle and I said, anything my user has to go, three clicks, that's all. If it takes more than three clicks, mm -mm, it's out. Hmm. That's cool. And yesterday I was telling somebody, I said, click is more expensive than scroll. So decide in your design whether you want to click or whether you want to scroll. This is just one minor thing of the whole platform, if you think about it. That's interesting because you have to think about that continuously. Yes. And if you're updating it to, to keep the attention of the students, I mean, you said it has to be more interactive than Facebook? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So it's just going to be constantly evolving. Absolutely. We have engineering team that's working on it. Doing day all the time. Yeah. Wow. Um, so... What is the what's the the overarching goal for Circled In? Where do you hope to be? Where do you where do you hope it to reach? What pinnacle do you want it to reach? So our mission is actually we have two of them. So one mission is that two billion kids on this planet are on Circled In. They are using Circled In. That's to the goal. That yeah. Okay. Two two billion is that what you said? I thought you said now, and I was like, you already have two billion. I won't be sitting here. Okay. That. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Okay, the goal is two billion. Right. Okay. Two billion are the kids K through twelve in 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 like on planet Earth, the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, United States has sixty five million. Of course, we started in United States and then we'll expand to be a global company. We want to become that verb. Are you encircled in? Are you encircled in? That becomes de facto platform mm-hmm. for anybody to tell their story when they are under twenty two, age twenty two, K through sixteen. That's a, that's a big goal, but it, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's going to be achievable for you. If there's, if there isn't any competition, I mean, is there any competition in the marketplace for you right now? There's always competition for dollars mm-hmm. and attention. That's true. But Can the we- service that you're providing. Yeah, not exactly, not the hundred mm-hmm. percent. So what we are doing is we are bringing this holistic story to students' life, mm-hmm. like uh, professional, personal skills, strengths, soft skill, hard skill, all of that. You can find components of those in different platforms, 
but nothing like which is open and closed platform and it's so holistic. And what I mean by open and closed, it's not tied to their high school IT system. Mm -hmm. It goes with them. As they grow, they go into college, it goes with them. Most of the tools that students are used to using today, they lose access right after high school graduation. So, mm -hmm. and um, other thing is that they have full control on uh, who sees their portfolio. It's completely secure. So they can send it with any application. I'm applying for, let's say, a volunteering position at Evergreen Hospital, which can be very competitive. By the way, if you're a biomed focused student, I can send that portfolio and tell my whole story and increase my acceptance rate. There is a independent study done on that. So it becomes open that when receiving party receives the portfolio link, they don't need to create an account. They just click on it very much like LinkedIn. So it's open from that perspective, closed because it's secure mm -hmm. and they control it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, so you said there are two overarching goals. One was to reach the 2 billion. And then did we, did you touch on the second one? No, I okay. did not. So the second one is actually more um, closer, closer to my heart. Uh, we are a social enterprise. So we have a social mission to level the playing field of college admissions. At-risk youth today go to college at 30% lower rate in the United States. Like this is the most advanced country we are talking here. 30% is the gap between typical kid and at-risk, which is a definition by federal government. That mm -hmm. includes low income, first generation, immigrant families, all of that population. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to shrink that by at least two percentage point in five years. Cool. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a wonderful that's a wonderful goal. Um, it's incredible that there's a thirty percent gap. That's frustrating. Yep. Um, but wonderful that you have set your sights on that. Um, yeah, somebody has to. That's, yep. Yes. Um, I, I, as you were talking, uh, I was, I was thinking, so, so, um, after college, what's, what's the handoff? So you've, you've built this portfolio of their education, of their accomplishments. And then, so that's, that's for college students. And then there's LinkedIn for professionals. Is there a handoff between circled in to LinkedIn? So there's no formal handoff at this point. But if you think from students' perspective, even when you are looking for a first job, there's nothing that you can put on your LinkedIn that differentiates you from everybody else. So CircleIn brings that value. That's why it's K-16 platform. Our goal is eventually to bring employers onto the platform, CircleIn, who are looking to do the recruitment of fresh graduates. So that's whole another market of about $13.5 billion dollars. So fresh graduates is one market where a lot of money is spent and there are a lot of failures, to say the least. Mm -hmm. If you look at the stats, 50%, around 50% college graduates are underemployed or unemployed. If you are a barista in Starbucks. Did you say 50%? Yeah. Okay, well, that makes, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that number. Like if you are a barista in Starbucks, you don't need a four-year college degree. If you have a four-year college degree, you should be in a highly skilled job, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a mismatch. And, and there are so many inefficiencies in this process. It's like there's so much scope, so much opportunity, so many things we can fix as an economy, as a nation, you know, it just it blows your mind when you look into the stats. Hmm. 
Do you think that it's not, do you think it's an issue of there not being enough jobs for these fresh graduates? Let me give you another stat. <laughs> Throw so, it at me. Yeah. Uh, Georgetown University did a study which was funded by Gates Foundation. By 2025, there will be a shortage of, I'm missing, I'm forgetting that number. I think there was a shortage of 65 million highly skilled jobs for which you will need a college degree. Also remember, jobs There are, will be a shortage of jobs, not of people to fill those jobs. Right. Okay. So we're not creating the jobs. For no, these, no, no, no. Sorry. There, it's a shortage of highly skilled people to fill these jobs. Gotcha. And highly skilled because we are not building widgets in the factory anymore. We are working on driverless cars. We are working on space vacation, space travel. Think about all that. We are working no, thank on drones. You. <laughs> I prefer to keep my feet on land, on the, on the earth. Yeah. So the point is the world is evolving. And so we need to bring things in harmony with how workforce and your and my requirements and expectations are changing as consumer. Mm -hmm. And that's what workforce is producing um, or the economy, I should say, is producing. But the college graduates, when they come out of college, are they prepared to take that job? Are they prepared to design next driverless car? Are they prepared to work on drones and deliver pizza on your uh, front yard? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the gap is. So it's not that jobs are not there. Jobs definitely are there. Um, it's somehow there is a mismatch where these college graduates are not able to stand be matched out into those jobs. Yeah. And that will help when you bring in a recruiting team into something like this. Right. And looking at those graduates in a more holistic way. It's not just whether you can, there's a funny joke out there. I don't know how to balance a checkbook, but I can solve a quadratic equation. Will that help? <laughs> That's true, though. That is true. I. It's a joke, but it's a joke that comes from somewhere. Yep. It comes from reality. Next Women Can podcast, how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I asked you if I could, if I could, ask you this question. Um, throughout your professional career to date, so starting back to your, your time spent in aerospace to now, um, what challenges have you faced not only as a, a female entrepreneur, but a, a female entrepreneur of color? Again, how many days do we have? So that list does not stop till date. Um, an entrepreneurship career started almost like five years ago when I started Circled In. Before that corporation, that's whole another discussion. Mm. Gender gap. Everybody knows pay gap. For every dollar, there's 76 cents that are paid to the woman. Uh, so that's in the corporate America. But even in, um, if you look at entrepreneurship, the funding that is given to women founders is less than 2%. Mm. Less than 2%. That's how bad it is. And we cannot leave half the population behind. Guess what is the woman population on planet? How many women? I'm thinking it's probably over 50%. 50.6. We are majority. We're we can't majority. be left behind. We cannot have 2% VC funding going to women-founded companies when women in general make over 50% population. Over 80% purchasing decision in any household are made by women. women. Mm -hmm. Um, the financial returns, and it's proven by stats and studies, financial return of the companies that have women in their leadership is far better than all male leadership companies. So 
So they know how to balance a checkbook. Is, that's what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay. And what I'm saying is we need to change the system and don't do it for women. Do it for yourself. Do it for your economy. Do it for your nation. It's not a charity. Nobody is asking for that pity party. <laughs> She's hitting us with some real truth right now. I hope everyone's listening. Um, so in your in the five years that you've that you've started, I mean, we, we you've talked about the inequality that you've experienced as a woman, what women are experiencing as a woman of color. Yeah. I mean, we, and again, we only have we don't have days on end. But can you kind of kind of summarize what you've experienced? Absolutely. So, um, it's harder. It's double whammy. That's one thing I say. I'll give you one example. There was a, I think it was last year. There was a live show happening on NBC or CNBC where uh, an ambassador was online on live television, and a kid walks in. It was very funny. Kid was very funny, and then a lady comes in and uh, picks up the kid and goes out of the room. And right next day, everybody was like, "Oh, who was that woman?" Everybody thought, "What? She is a nanny. She was an Asian woman. Everybody thought she's a nanny." And who actually she was? His wife. His wife. So when I walk in the room, now with Indians, it's slightly different. I mean, of course, I'm a woman of color. But when I walk in a room, what do people see? They don't see a hardcore businesswoman who can make hard decisions. They see maybe their mom, their sister, their daughter, their secretary, their admin, their maid. Mm -hmm. The women have that persona in men's mind. So that is why the challenges are for women. For women of color, it gets worse because now suddenly they are adding one more bias into their equation, one more filter into their views on their eyes, in their vision. How do you, how do you combat that? You just have to work 10x harder than a male founder and be mentally prepared. Um, it, it's, I mean, I'm not sugarcoating anything here. So be ready for what you are getting into. If, if a woman and women of color or whatever, if you are looking to start a company and be an entrepreneur, be your own boss, know what you are getting into, especially if you are looking to build a tech company. I mean, if you have small business, that's whole another discussion. But uh, if you are looking to build a billion dollar company, a tech company, it's a lot of challenges and you have to be ready to combat that. You have to be ready to work 10x harder than what your male peer would have done. What have you had to sacrifice in working 10 times harder? A lot. So it's the cost of being an entrepreneur. Uh, one example I'll give you, when I went to do my MBA, I had two kids. My younger kid was one and a half years old. And then I did my MBA and then which was on the side along with the job. Then I was traveling and flying all over the uh, world. And then I started Circle Jane. Till date, I do not have the same connection with my daughter. She gives very tight hugs to her dad, not to me. That's the cost I'm paying. Again, I'm not putting it on anybody else. That was my decision. Mm-hmm. Did I know this will be the cost? Probably not to this extent, but I did know it's going to be pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So the cost is your personal life. And that is why you have to think super hard. What is your goal with your 
venture? What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I I had the opportunity to interview um, a woman who works in um, a male dominated industry um, earlier in the week. And um, the interview was different in in that in comparison to the other ones that I've done, because we talked about what you give up. Mm-hmm. and um, the sacrifices that you have to make. And right. we spend a lot of time, at least I spend a lot of time, when I think about who I want to interview, who I want to talk to on this Women Can Project podcast, because we're championing, championing, we're, we're, we're celebrating women who work in male-dominated industries, who've started their own business, who work in the C-suite, who work um, in construction. We're applauding women in business, and we're encouraging them to keep going and mm-hmm. and better themselves. But um, I have also realized we're not talking about the what cost. they're the cost. Yep. And the cost is high because many, many of these women are mothers. Yep. And wives and partners and and they have their heart is tied to other things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have to let some of those things go. Right. And it's a huge cost. Exactly. And I don't think that all the time we're very transparent about what you have to give up. And so what's super important to me is that that when I speak to someone like you, that you're honest about what it really takes mm-hmm. and what you have to sacrifice. Right. I'll give you another example. Give it to me. So right after I quit my job um, and we had just started Circle Jane, I was uh, I went to pick up my daughter. I usually do not, but that time I did. And I saw these two moms in, um, it was very sunny day, and they had um, strollers with younger kids, and they had their elementary age kids, which were you know in my daughter's school, and they were walking from the school to their home. And I'm like, oh my God, look, these moms are so good, and I'm so bad. I drove further down, and this the woman was pulling weeds out of her backyard. And I'm like, oh, look, their yard looks so good, and she's such a good homeowner, and look at me, my yard is full of weeds. Um, then, of course, I'm thinking all those successful women in jobs and then successful women in uh, startup community and then successful women. And I'm thinking, I'm not good at anything. I felt so terrible. It took me years to understand you cannot be a best mom and best wife and best homeowner and a best CEO and a you know best sister and best daughter. Mm-hmm. You have to pick one best just one best, what best you can do and what other will be moderate. Hmm. That would be a very tough decision yep. for, I, I would imagine for all women that are, that, that, that if that's required of them, that'd be a tough one. That's reality though, if you think about it. You can't be- um, 100% of everything. Everything, everywhere, mm-hmm. anytime. Because if you were to do that, you will need five clones. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. I think about that now. Like, yeah. I wish I had five. And my life isn't that hard. So I wish I had five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and you bring up another point, and this is just kind of going off on a tangent, but the comparison that we do to ourselves is only hurting us. Right. No one else, the woman weeding her yard didn't see you and think, she probably thinks that. I'm really good at weeding my yard. She didn't. She didn't think, give it a second thought. She's busy weeding her yard, comparing her to someone else. Right. And I think the comparison needs to stop mm-hmm. because we are, we are perfect the way the we way are, we uniquely the way we are, individually the way we are, and no one else is thinking about how 
they should have pushed that stroller that one time. Right. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your platform uh, circled in had to adapt in the wake of um, COVID-19 and everything um, becoming um, going online? Yeah, that's actually interesting. Um, so before COVID hit, 2020 was going to be our year honestly, because we had just launched the college side. We had hundreds and thousands of students on the platform using it. And then we launched the college side and we signed few contracts last year. And this year we were going to go gung-ho with all the colleges. March 15th comes and everything comes to screeching halt. So we knew there's no point in talking to colleges. They are scrambling. There's firefighting happening. There's no point in talking to high schools. So we changed gears a little bit. We thought, how can we help this education community? How can we help parents, high schools, and colleges? So we thought, oh, let's conduct a survey. We started one survey that was filled by over 1,100 students, and it's still being filled in. <laughs> and It's an automated survey? Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's still going on. The link, whoever has the link, they fill out. But we published a report out of that once we had 1,100 results, and it it was great. Like the findings from that were like, it's so amazing. Uh, and interestingly, that got picked up by media all over the country because it wow. was one of the largest survey done in US at that early. So Wow, getting in early. That's awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, it was picked up by Business Insider, Yahoo Finance, Vox, um, even USU Today was referencing that, Higher Ed, you name it, like every big media and small. Um, and we got a whole bunch of interview requests. So a lot of PR came out of it organically. And we conducted the other survey, which was from college admission officers. What we found is that these two parties were thinking about very different things. And in some ways, we became a bridge between the two. So our high school student survey was downloaded so many times by so many institutions because what that proved is that one quarter of students, seniors, are reconsidering their college plans. So if I'm a college admission officer, I want that intel. It's a market intel. It's information that I don't have otherwise. Um, Other thing that came to light was that these high school students are thinking, oh, the onus of college admission is all on me. With COVID, how am I going to produce test results? How am I going to visit the campus and stuff like that? Um, And they also told us that what is their um, preferred mode of communication from colleges? So we shared all that information with colleges, Mm -hmm. right? And they use that to build their strategies, to build their, you know, action plan for fall 2020, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, you have um, you have a population sample right that you can make use of, exactly. that you can tap into. Right. So that's that's what you did. That's um, what we did okay. for almost two months. And like I said, after that, there were a lot of interview requests. There were a lot of PR that we gained just organically. And about a month ago, we went into that mode where we say, okay, let's talk circled in now. Because the whole admissions landscape has drastically changed. SAT, ACT is gone. They have been canceled. Every college, ha- not every, but almost every college has made SAT, ACT optional for fall 2020 and 2021 class which means they will need a holistic approach, platform, Mm -hmm. strategy, and action plan, and Circled In fills that gap. Wow. So you're just, you're there at the right time. 
hopefully. So there's a short-term impact and then there's a long-term impact. Short-term was like, okay, we can't sell. We can't talk to anybody. It seemed like, oh my God, what are we going to do? But in the long run, the whole college admission landscape has, I think, almost permanently changed because um, a month ago, UC system, University of California system, they dumped SAT, ACT for good, forever. Not just these two years, but forever. Man, I wish that was a thing when I was going to school. (laughs) So, and they are leader of the pack. And uh, last week, UW came out, University of Washington, and they made SAT, ACT, like gone forever. So that's the trend that's going to happen. And if you take that big component off the table for decision making, what do you replace it with? You replace it with circle day. Hopefully. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. That's what we are working on. Um, well, it sounds like you have a lot, you have a lot on your plate. And it sounds like you're at the right place at exactly the right time to fill a need that's never really been there right. before. Correct. That's ideal for mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah. Well, congratulations in that regard. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what motivates? So you, you answered my question that I had. I was going to sound really smart. And how is the college landscape changing? Oh. Um, <laughs> but you answered that. So I'm going to move on. Um, what motivates you to keep going when things get tough? It's the efficacy of the platform. So um, I heard a real story of this kid who actually used circled in, um, long story short, completely scattered kid from a low income family, first generation, didn't know what to do with his life. And when the advisor said, hey, go put circled in profile together and then we'll talk on Monday. Monday he comes back and he said, oh, when you gave me the website, Miss Nancy, I thought it's going to be full of buttons and links. It was actually very easy to use and almost fun. It's 11th grader saying almost fun. We'll take that. Um, And within four weeks of putting his portfolio together, he got an internship. Before that, this guy had no idea what he wanted to do in life. That's the efficacy. That story of Adam gets me out of bed every day. And we need to just touch a lot more Adams. Wow. Um, What do you... What what do you attribute your success to? Who? What? Who? My mom. I mean, I I don't know if I call it success yet, but whatever I have. It sounds like success to me. I mean, just the story of of Adam. It sounds like it's already a success. True. That is true. So um, my mom is actually a teacher. When I was growing up in India, again, dating myself, India had 70% illiteracy in 1970s. Um, Most people did not go to school. And uh, I had no future technically. But my mom was a teacher and she had to quit her job and be home because we were young kids at that time. And so she started her own elementary school. And she dragged me into running it. And I hated it at that time, I tell you. (laughs) But with that... I figured education changes lives because it's not just that I had to help kids learn. We had to go knock on people's doors and convince them to send their kids to school because that was not the norm. And they will say, oh, who will take care of the cattle? Who will work in the farm? 
right? School was not a norm. Um, so when I'm convincing other people as a kid, of course, that's going deep into my DNA too, without me knowing it. So she is a huge influence. Um, and she's a very, 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 very strong woman. Um, she ran for office three or four times, including at age 63. And we were like, mom, seriously? And she's like, if you can't be with me, you don't have to be. I'm still running for the office. Like, okay. Wow. So nobody can stop her. Um, wow. And I guess that is in my genes too. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, are you a part of any um, women in business, um, women in entrepreneurship, um, women in tech? Are you part of any groups where you are, or, or any groups in general, it doesn't have to be about women, but are you part of groups that kind of help champion, celebrate and prop you up and set you up for success? I don't know why I can't say champion, championing. Are you part of any of those type of groups? Yes, yes, you have to be. I mean, entrepreneurship is not... Uh, loner's game. You have to have your village with you. So there are many groups, actually, we are part of. So I will say, like right now, for example, we are part of WTIA cohort one, which is Washington Technical Industry Association. So they started this program. And actually, I think their applications for fourth cohort may be open if anyone is interested. So WTIA. Yeah. So that's that. Um, after 2016, definitely there was a lot of focus on women. So there's another group called Female Founder Alliance. We FFA. are familiar with that. We've had a couple of people on that have talked about that as well. So the Female Founder Alliance is pretty popular. Right. So FFA, Leslie runs that. And uh, that's another group. It's a small community, very private and, you know, I have a lot of friends in there. Um, then another group is on Facebook, actually. It's um I think it's called Women, Women Founder Group. And that mm -hmm. was actually started by YC Group uh, down in San Francisco or uh, Bay Area. And then they opened it to everybody. And that has it, its own benefits. Like it has so many women. Like you ask a question and you get bam, 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 bam. Um, offer of help from all sorts of people. It has some investors. It has big people who are connected to investors. It has service providers and, of course, entrepreneurs like me and who can share. It's like, oh, go do this if you are in this situation. Um, that support group has to be around you. Without that, it's you can't. It's, it's just not possible. I think that's kind of what we've found in, in all the interviews that, that we've conducted, um, especially with um, women in business that you have to support yourself or surround yourself with people that will support you and encourage you to continue to grow and provide you resources that you didn't know existed. Right. And it sounds like it's, it's, you kind of, the, your success kind of depends on that. Um, if, well, no, I'll ask this one. So you kind of touched on this when we, we talked about what you have to sacrifice and you kind of have to know what you're getting into when you start something huge, like circled in. Um, what advice would you give to um, women who have um, um, an entrepreneurial spirit like yours? Um, what steps would you recommend they take to kind of um, get ready to launch something? I think the biggest step is to know what you are getting into. That mental and emotional acceptance of the cost that will go into this venture, whatever that is. Um, 
And then second most important thing is bring your family with you. If your family is not supporting you, it will become hell for you. Um, right now on Circle Lane, I have two daughters and husband and pretty much everybody works on Circle Lane all the time. <laughs> In fact, my kids say sometimes, oh, can we talk something other than circle in a dinner table? Um, so that happens. So your family support is extremely important because I have heard stories where women started in a, um, a venture, but husband was not supportive or the, the other half was not supported and uh, supportive. It becomes extremely difficult because it's already very difficult. On top of that, you don't want somebody questioning you. Rather, you want somebody who can help you, support you, motivate you, and be your champion. So knowing what you are getting into, one thing I will say, I say this, man or woman, media has glamorized entrepreneurship. Okay, when you say entrepreneur, when you say startup, what do you think? You think Mark Zuckerberg, you think Brian Chesky, you think all these gazillionaires who started Facebook and who started Airbnb, who started Uber. For every Facebook, there are probably 100,000 other Facebook companies that did not survive. So don't think that entrepreneurship is a lottery ticket to... Means success, immediate right. success. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens overnight. Like, <laughs> a joke is that, oh, this overnight has been in progress for 10 years. <laughs> I didn't get that for a second. <laughs> yeah. That's good. There's that no overnight sense. success. So know what you are getting into. That's men or women, anybody who's getting into entrepreneurship. This is a long game. Um, and if you it's a are, marathon, not a sprint. Not a sprint. And if you are as driven or, you know, if you're too much driven and too ambitious and too success oriented, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. So the takeaways are make sure your family is on board and they're going to support you as you move forward. And make sure you educate yourself and know what you're getting into. Right. And then build that village. Because you don't want to learn from your mistakes, because that will be a lot of mistakes and a lot of expensive mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. They have made mistakes. They have learned. And tap into that. Ask them, what would you do different this time if you were to do it again? Whatever that is. Incorporating a company, hiring an accountant, um, using QuickBooks or something else. Like it could be as silly as that to as big as, you know, where do you go for funding? Do you go to Silicon Valley or do you go to Seattle? Mm -hmm. It could be anything. So my mantra is uh, let's learn from other people's mistakes because I don't have time to make all mistakes by myself. Ooh, that's recorded, right? <laughs> that was a that was a good one. Okay. Um, so we're just going to, we're going to wrap up with this final question. If you could do it all over again, would you choose the same path for yourself? Absolutely. It also depends on how you define success. I'll give you another example. A friend asked me, so do you consider yourself success or do you think you'll be better off in a corporate job? Because Honestly, I could easily get six-figure salary if I could go back in a job. And I said, look, yes, I will have bigger bank balance, definitely. <laughs> that would be nice. But what entrepreneurship has given me, let's just say two-page coverage in Seattle Times with big picture of me and my kids and whole dedicated article. No job can get me that. Getting on a stage where Satya Nadella gave the talk and then I give the talk, no job can give me that. 
getting on a stage where Mark Cuban gave a talk and I gave a talk, no job can give me that. So the when I left my job, I had 432 LinkedIn connections. Today, I have 3,700 some. And most of those are real connections, not just connection on LinkedIn. Either I have met those people or I've talked to them on a video call or whatever. Um, your world expands like crazy when you go into entrepreneurship. So if you consider that as the return as the success, by that token, I'm already successful. That was so good. I'm so glad. It was ah, so eloquent. And the way you just talk about your experiences, it just puts it into like, in, into a real, real time. It just makes, it makes sense. Thank you. Um, Viewers, listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed this interview as much as I have. Um, Ritu, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank if, you. If you want to, um, I'm sure you're going to want to learn more about Circled In. I'm sure for those of you who have children, if you're teachers, if you're parents, um, you definitely want to take advantage of this uh, platform. You can find Circled In at www circled in and it's c-i-r-k-l-e-d-i-n.com um, you can also find them on facebook twitter linkedin instagram and pinterest and again remember you can always find um, me on uh at the womencanproject.com and we're also on facebook and instagram um again this has been such an enjoyable interview i feel like i've learned so much um i feel like you've really put entrepreneurship and perspective about what it really is. And for that, I really, I appreciate your, your candor and honesty. Well, thank you for giving me the stage and share my story. So You're if so welcome. anybody can gain something out of it, that'll be my pleasure. Thank you. Um, listeners, have a great rest of your day. If you know a woman who has an interesting story um, or has a story that needs to be told, please point her in our direction. We, I would love to talk to her and bring her on board. Have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Thank you.